the 19th Hole Podcast presented by Golf Talk Live and brought to you by Perfect Practice Putting Mat, Yips, and Survivor Golf Tee. How do you measure yourself with other golfers? By height. It's a very, very special honor. I'm Paula Creamer, and you're listening. Well, we're waiting. Hi, this is Martin Cove, a.k.a. John Kreese from Cobra Kai, and you're listening to Golf Talk Live. Let the word go out from here across the land. Let Daddy Noonan uh, approve. And welcome once again, folks, to another edition of Golf Talk Live. I am your host, Alan DePew, and I am joined by our panel. Allow me to introduce to him. He's been known as the merchandising master of merchandising. We simply called him Andy. Andy, hi, hi Doran. How are you? I can barely speak today, my friend. I'm doing great. Happy to be here. <laughs> over over there to my left, we've got uh, our resident Gen Z. The ladies like to call him the prettiest podcaster in golf, Christian Azamus. <laughs> and, that. of course, he's got a small lumber yard on his wall of all the awards he's won. Brendan Elliott, welcome once again, my friend. Thank you. Thank Boston Bob Baldessari, I had a great intro late lined up for him and all of his sports memorabilia. He cannot join us, but we have a sighting that we haven't seen in probably two months. Mr. Three Putt himself, Andrew DePew, welcome back. Hi, that was a great introduction. Appreciate it. Everyone was, you know, nice. <laughs> and then you go with me. Perfect. Appreciate it. He ain't wrong in a three putt. Well, you know, that. he is he is the reason we have perfect practice putting mats as our uh, one of our sponsors. Uh, He's the epitome that. of the perfect practice putting mat <laughs> necessity. So, Andy, I know, you know we were talking just before we uh, started recording that uh, you're passionate about a topic. Brennan's got some cutting information because he was reading an article about it. We could talk about the great play out at Riviera and how the top 10 golfers in the world and the leaderboard on Sunday was all under the age of 25. We could talk about the fact that we're in the Florida golf swing and we probably will, but everybody's talking about Phil Mickels. Do you have any friends thoughts on that? My friend? Yes. And, and I love Joaquin Neiman and loved watching him win that, but let's get on to Phil. <laughs> um, so, you know, one of the things for me that, that, you know, kind of struck me when I first read uh, Phil's comments um, and I think a lot of people share this sentiment is, is, you know, Phil seemingly is, is a malcontent about the, the situation with the PGA tour and, um, you know, what, what that, that, uh, how the tour is being run and what it means to the players. And, and, uh, you know, I think we've all spent a lot of time trying to, to understand what he's saying and parse through some of the words, the, the written words. Um, you know, one of the things, the first thing that, that came to me is that, you know, I, I, I was a, a crazy consumer of, of useless information back when I was young. Um, so I remember back, you know, in the eighties when, when somebody would win a tournament on tour you know, if it was a, a medium sized event, they'd win 54 grand. If it was a big event, they'd win 63 and maybe even 72. Um, the smaller events, they won 45, right? Um, and I think, you know, overlooking the fact that, that the PGA Tour has managed its business to the point that's allowed these guys to make obscene amounts of money now. Um, and, and it's, it seems like it's, it's rather convenient and easy for Phil to look at the situation that's been created and want to criticize, you know, the tour for, for taking, you know, maybe a little bit larger part of the, the overall pie than Phil thinks is, is necessary. Um, and, and again, the biggest problem I have with this whole thing is that, you know, the tour has managed the PGA tours business to the point where they've made it really possible for these guys to, to be as rich as they are. And that's, that's the thing that take all the other stuff, throw it away. That's the thing that bothers me the most. I, I mean, I, I, I absolutely agree. And you know what? I can't believe actually Phil of all people would throw hand grenades on this topic. Mm -hmm. um, 
Brendan, you made I made a comment to you about watching a guy go in a free fall. He's on top of the world at the PGA Championship. Everybody's loving Phil, and suddenly now everybody's like, "Phil did what?" And you offered some comments before again before we started recording. And guys, feel anybody else feel free to chime uh, chime can, in. I was going to say, can I cut you off real quick? Well, you normally do, but go ahead. <laughs> well, I'm just going to say, are we really shocked though it's, that it's Phil? And I'll tell you what. I'll tell I, you what. And, and the reason I say that is, think about it. Who was the Who was the guy that was the polarizing guy at the U.S. Open back at Shinnecock? Like he he has always been and always will be the unique guy that kind of stands out. He's kind of been subsided with Bryson and all the ridiculousness there, but he's never been one to hold punches. I mean, the, ride, the Ryder cup deal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I mean, like, I don't, I don't just, uh, is it the, the, the way, the way that he did it? Yeah. It's, it's very shocking, but like, are we really surprised that he's holding back at all or lack thereof? I would say. I think it's the casual golf viewer that, that knows some of these popular golf celebrities like Phil um he, he's got two personas I feel like he wants to carry he wants to be this reincarnation of Arnold Palmer on one side like the people's champion and then on the other side he he says things like this and you guys gave great other examples of times he's done it in the past and I I think I don't, I don't know from a playing standpoint, from the popularity standpoint, I've never been the biggest Phil fan, but there was things he's done in the last couple of years. Like I, I was at Kiowa and I watched and that was exciting. I, I'll be honest. That was pretty exciting to see that. But again, like I said, I, I haven't always been the biggest Phil fan. And then some of these, the match, he showed a little bit of personality in that. And I thought, okay, maybe, maybe this guy's not, the ass that I had thought he was in the past. And then this happens again. And, you know, to Andy's point about what the tour has done the, the, in, in a very short period of time. I mean, I wish Bobby was on the call because Bobby was saying some interesting stuff about Dean Beeman and how this all got going with, with television rights and how the tour had nothing. And now they're one of the richest sports organizations that's out there because of the way they structured the the television right deals and created these opportunities for these pros. You know, I, I just, I, I, my, my jaw was just wide open when these first, when these comments came first, first came to light, but now with what came out today, him trying to do the same thing, anybody that's in the public eye does when, when they step in shit, trying to backtrack it and, and fix the situation. There was some things he could have, left out in his statement to maybe start to smooth this over. And I don't know if this is going to get smoothed over for a long, long time, but he's kind of calling out, calling out some of the comments as being off the record. Does that exist? I mean, is anything off the record, especially when you're talking to a guy that's writing a book <laughs> about, about you and, and is one of the leading journalists in, in the game. Um, is there anything that's off the record? Or do you have to be smart about what you say at all times? I think you do. Uh, see, I, I guess I guess that's where I, uh, the young generation, I guess, of the call, I guess I differ. Mm -hmm. I look at it to where, again, the, the, the PGA as a whole, right, wrong, or indifferent, has made themselves a lot of money over the TV deals and things like that. And we are all human beings on this call. We all have this thing called human greed. And human greed, it plays a very fickle game sometimes. That fickle game is, is creeping up. And it, also take it a step further. Everyone wants to talk about, you know, the last year about this $40 million payout from being this standout star on social media. People are going to be talking about it for quite a while. Uh, and he's he's not making, well, we, making I mean, the paydays on the, made, on the made, course uh, that he used to. Reported he made $8 million out of that, that $40 million. And, I mean, Christian – Feel free to chime in. You're just laying back. You just, you just, yeah, that's because you're, that's because you're so close. You, you normally hit it so close to the pin. You're usually the last one to putt. So, yeah, right. You know. No, I look, I mean, with how big Phil is of popularity wise on the tour, I mean, there's just, you just don't say that, period. There's no other way of putting it. 
you know, whether, whether you want to say it or you don't, I mean, tell your wife, somebody that you can trust that wouldn't get out in the public eye. If you, if you truly have to say it, but you don't, don't say it period. You are um, a, if you are a public figure yeah. in the world today, everybody, I'm folks, I'm holding up my phone. Everybody's carrying one of these. Everybody's looking to make a, a buck. Everybody's looking, and I'm not saying any of the reporters did this, but you're stupid if you're not if you're if you're not watching your words in in a public venue. I look I look at I mean here's an example. I look at my buddy Alex Tuck that plays for the Sabers. I mean he literally has to probably watch everything that he says when he's out when he's out of the team atmosphere. It's the same thing for Phil when he's in his team. Everybody around him, from coaches to to whoever it is. You, you just don't, you, period, you don't say it at all because you know that being a, being a huge iconic figure that he is and a role model for a lot of people around the world, you just, you, you don't say it at all because you know that whatever you do say, it's going to either make an impact on someone or it's, it's going to be on social media where everybody can see it. And Andy, to, to Brendan's point, the, uh, I mean, the tour has gone, as Bob pointed out, I mean, there was nothing before they took him to Jets. Now they're taking them to private jets. And uh, I mean, the tour is just growing rapidly. But you you brought up a point again before we started recording about the other tour players and the responses. And by the way, I'm going to attribute a few names. Forgive me. Allegedly, a couple of big name European players that were allegedly involved in trying to do this as well. But what was your reaction when you heard some of the comments from the other guys? I mean, I love it. Rory is my, my favorite interview in golf, right? I mean, he's, he's a thoughtful interview. I mean, he, he never gives you bullshit answers. He, he always speaks, you know, kind of clearly and thoughtfully and substantively, substantive, you know what I mean? <laughs> you're, you're, you're having the same problem speaking tonight as i was i'm telling you what, what are you two drinking because i need to be a part of it <laughs> i need yeah. Jameson. i need to get on that Jameson. so but but let's not overlook two other things here one one main thing this is greg norman 25 years later yeah and, and greg norman's involved in this but greg norman started this feud with with tim fincham with the world golf championships and and greg norman left that situation thinking that that the tour stole his idea right so i can tell you this that he has waited and waited and waited to do something like this and to me i mean like the other thing that nobody's talking about is phil gave a huge middle finger to jay monahan mm-hmm. in this whole thing and it was, it was, to me, that was the, the, the worst part of it all is, you know, he totally, you know, threw him under the bus, called him disingenuous. You know, it, it was, it was awful. So um, yeah, the Greg Norman dynamic is something, but, but Alan, back to what, what you were saying. Well, let me, but let me ask you, I, I don't, don't want to change it. Yeah. I mean, was Greg really wrong? I mean, to have this world stage of, uh, it, I we I think we touched on it before. Why can't golf adopt the the ATP tennis tour mentality? I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm just saying it's it's the the ego in the in the desire to to create an adversarial um, relationship that's a big part of this. And I Phil agree. clearly clearly you know, did the same exact thing to me. Could I add something real quick? I, I, I just, I, I kind of feel like the topics that came out of all this isn't the problem. To, to your point, Alan, and to what you were just saying, Andy, the idea of having a world tour, having other options, there's nothing wrong with that. And there's there's nothing wrong either with maybe some of the context of what Phil was saying about it's it's a different world now like yes the pga tour has done amazing things for the for the players that play on the pga tour and the money they make off the golf course has a lot to do with with the with uh some of the moves that the pga tour has made too but what i mean by it's a different world now is you know these things with uh stuff that i'm still not familiar with nfts and all this other stuff where people's 
people are profiting on the stuff that they're creating from their celebrity, if that makes sense. And I and I get that, that there's this whole new world of how people be, can be more profitable than they already were before. And, you know, there's there's some there's some real things that need to be considered to that point. It's just the way he went about this and the way that Norman went about it years ago too. That that's the problem. I think we all mutually agree. It's, it's the word choice that he was using. And it says something when his longest tenured sponsor, like I was just even reading a little bit more about it is now dropping him. But at the same token, like, uh, it's at least from what I can tell real quick, it said KPMG is oh. dropped them. Wow. Um, I don't know how old wow. or how, how frequent that actually is, or if that is real. So apologies if it's not, but that's going off of literally just Twitter. So, um, but I mean, ultimately at the end of the day, everyone's out to make money because they're never going to be playing, you know, on tour for the rest of their lives. So to your point, Brendan, about NFTs, like it, how how would how nice would it have been if if Phil back when he had the ability to make an NFT? Because yeah. the way I, I would describe it for anyone that's not needs a crash course is basically you got first edition baseball cards for back in the day, and you got 500 first edition baseball cards, and those are the only ones in existence. Mm-hmm. Well, those that photo of Phil with his leaping like the famous photo where he could actually put money towards that and make money off of it. That's the way an NFT works. So like. Everyone's always looking for a profit, but do you need to really call out the people that are feeding that to you? Maybe right. not. <laughs> it's probably not the best idea. Let's put it that way. Well, it's it's no different though than I mean, Christian. Maybe you, you're aware. Is it no different than the college players, the NCAA, with their whole lawsuit regarding making money off their likeness and and right. something that? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I... I have a different opinion on obviously the athletes being paid. Lay, lay it on us, Christian. Athletes shouldn't be paid. That's my, that's my take. Um, I just, I, I mean, you're going to college, you're already getting a free education. I mean, being a college wow. athlete, being a division one athlete, right. Um, I would have loved to have been paid when I went to college for what I did. I, I just, I knew it wasn't realistic when you have these basketball players now that are making millions of dollars off of endorsement deals. It's uh it's kind of a hit like slap in the face, honestly, for other division one athletes too. And, and, and so forth that played prior to that, that's all. So I, I just, I don't think they should be able to get paid. That's just my take on that. But. Speaking of speaking of paid, obviously I don't want to go on, on the fill topic for all show. Can we, can we switch it up a little bit? Can we get Fire away? Well, it's confirmed by the way that, that KPMG dropped them. It was an, that was confirmed. Okay. Wow. So I, I'm, I'm reading actual Twitter and not just false identities on Twitter. Yeah, there's no such thing as false news on either side. Okay. Um, no, but um, speaking <laughs> of getting paid and, and and just it's a great segue. So thanks, Christian, for laying that up for me. Um, U.S. National Women's Team for soccer. I know we're very, obviously a big golf podcast. That's what we mainly focus on. But we we want to try to talk all sports, obviously, and and you know talking equal pay, which is a huge hugely forward in the regards to a lot of issues that get brought up between men's and women's sports. Um, the soccer team has officially gotten approval and, and won their, their case basically for it. So what's your guys' thoughts on that? I thought I saw that as I was, you know, working out in the gym this afternoon and it was pretty eye opening to say the least. Well, first of all, my thought is I would not be working out in a gym, period, practically. So um, I got to get in shape because if I don't, I'm going to kill myself when I get on the golf course in like two months when it finally snow clears. So I'm playing ahead in my head and, you know, trying. To I am going to. OK, I may take the adversarial role on this one. Here's my opinion. I can certainly understand and appreciate the women's soccer team and their position of given the the PR, and this is what their, their entire case, as I understand it, was based on their, their winning of championships, World National, World Cups, and so forth, and the publicity that they obviously garnered for Team USA Sports. Um, however, and this is the problem with, for example, I saw a, a meme one time out there about comparing LeBron James to, I can't even remember the girl's name. I'm, I apologize, on, in the WNBA. 
and how many titles she's won and NBA, NBA think If LeBron's putting 25,000 people in the stands and she's putting 2,500, economics, I'm a, I look at everything as the business guy. Economics tells me I can't pay that. She, she's talented. She's great. I can't pay her as much money. So that's I, – I, I applaud them. I, I don't disagree that they're they, – they deserve a payday because they've done some great things for this country, but I, the economics doesn't make sense to me. I don't disagree. I think that obviously when you're talking Olympic athletes, you're talking world athletes and expenditures on Team USA, it's a little bit of a different story. But I look at it, and I, I kind of tend to agree from an economic standpoint. However, I also look at it just very similar to the, going back even just a hot second to Christian's point about college athletes. How does a college golfer who has really no financial gain to the university unless they're on the national stage have any comparison to Division One football and the SEC? There's just no comparison. Um, but at the same token, do they and should they be able to capitalize on opportunities that they have led directly and have a direct correlation. I think so. I think that's where like, it's a fine balancing act where you have to understand like, okay, if they're winning the gold medal, they need to be paid as such, you know, for that year. But if they're going to place sixth and they're not bringing in the same economic driving forces, then, you know, they need to have a, a difference of pay. It's very similar to almost like a sales role is the way I look at it. Andy, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna tiptoe through this, and uh, I may say, say something stupid, but um, I'm willing to risk that here. So, to me, I I, I appreciate what you were saying, Alan, in, in the sense that that I think the the money needs to be tied to to where the money is coming from. The pay needs to be tied to where the money is coming from. So, for example, you know, in the NBA. Um, you know, you have full arenas, you have 82 games a year, you have television contracts, you have deals with China. I mean, like there's all sorts of money to go around. And, and uh, I think if, if you can look at it as such and say that, okay, there's, there's this big pile of money here, then the pay should be kind of related to that. Um, Andrew, your, your comment about the soccer team to me almost, and I don't know the details here, but it almost seems to me that, that it's possible that the women's soccer team could bring in more money than the men's soccer team does. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But I think in that particular situation, if you look at it that way, it seems to be reasonable that, that the women's pay should be equal um, at least if they're bringing in the same amount of money. Um, so to me, it's tied to that. Uh, certainly, certainly to, to, I think Andrew's point, I mean, the expenses, the, the amount of money allocated to the team should not, there should not be any discrepancies they, based on gender without question. I mean, I'm just, again, I'm looking at it from the top line revenue. Brendan, let's say you. So, uh, I'm not as well-versed in this. I did see the headline that they won the case. Um, and, and to the points that have already been made, I, I agree from the pure economics of, of this topic. Um, but the question I'll pose back to you guys, because I'm not as well-versed, um, is the discrepancy, is, is it the percentage that the women make out of the the whole pie that we're talking about from the economic standpoint, is it less than their male counterparts? Is that the argument? Because so, if that's the case, then yes, all things should be equal in my mind. But if that's not the case, and if it's purely because there's not, obviously WNBA versus NBA is a great example. There's not the same amount of money that we're talking about. So it's all, it's, 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 it's all relative. So, so being in the sports world, truly from like a, a ticket sales end, um, numbers to your point, Andy, I don't have the exact numbers, but to your overall question, Brennan, yes. The, the ultimate issue that they, they stemmed from was 
despite the performance abilities, the yearly pay was less per women's athlete on the soccer team than the male counterpart. And, and to my belief, if you, and, and this, then this, then this plays the slippery slope. Well, how do you, how do you think you're going to attract the best athletes to want to come play for you? You know, but it shouldn't matter because you're talking national, you know, recognition of your, of your country, right? Like that's, that's pay should be the, the secondary function in my mind. Um, but if you're sitting there telling me that the women who win gold or in are in the finals every other year, it seems like versus the men who can barely get out of their own bracket. Uh, it's, it's night and day. Now you go to the, like the WNBA example, obviously it's a little bit of a different story. However, I think the argument that can be made there is the same marketing dollars from the sponsorship elements rather than from the actual and the TV right. deals and things right. going back to our PGA conversation. Like there's just not the same sponsorship elements that allow them to be able to get paid to the same degree where that then becomes an underlying issue. Like how do you alleviate that? And you have that's that's on the company's actually getting on board with sponsorship at that point. Right. But as a, as a sponsor, you know, I would be pissed off if, if somebody told me I had to allocate the same amount of expenditure toward the WNBA versus the NBA, right? If, if I were choosing between those two things, because ultimately the sponsors are putting up money to get a return on that investment, right? And, and if, if they're being forced to, to allocate the same amount of money toward you know, the women's game that doesn't generate the same amount of interest. And to me, that's, that's starting to, to, uh, you know, cutting off your nose to spite your face deal a little bit. Christian hanging back. Once again, you got to weigh in. Well, you guys are having such great conversations. I'm just sitting back <laughs> listening to everybody. I, I mean, I, no, I, you I just really don't, you don't want Allison. You don't want to be in the doghouse. <laughs> you don't want to say that. I'm in the doghouse no matter what I do with her. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I mean, I agree with everything that what people are saying, you know, I mean, there's nothing I can really add to it that, you know, I would, uh, I would change or anything, you know, I mean, I, I, I honestly, like when it comes to the soccer aspect of it, the, the women's team has been making way more publicity than, than the men have, because the men have been, they've been sucking. I mean, they can't make it, they can't seem to win a game, honestly, the last few years. So yeah, like when I tune in, I'm going to watch the women's team. Because I know that, you know, when I watch my country, I want to watch my country win. And I know that if I watch the men's team, I don't know if they're actually going to dating back when they, when they were dominant, obviously, then yeah, it, it had no issue with that. But were they ever really dominant? No, no. I mean, but again, you know, when the world cup came around, yeah, sometimes, you know, we, yeah, we were there a couple of times, a few times, but again, yeah, I don't know. So, so can I, can I throw this out here real quick? So I think we've all had a rational discussion about this topic, right? And, mm -hmm. and you know, we've talked about it in terms of, of objectivity and, and all the things that, that we've been discussing. When it comes to like what Mark Lai said, if you guys are familiar with, with what Mark Lai said a couple of weeks ago to get fired from Sirius, um, that's where it starts to get a little bit dicey is is, you know, he, he made a commentary on the game itself, which, you know, again, that, that, what do you guys think about that? Because to me, that, that starts to get into a different arena a little bit. Um, so I'm interested to see what you guys think about that. I'll be honest, I didn't see that comment. But... Um... I'm going to take a guess and say that if you got fired over it, it probably wasn't the um, politically correct version. Totally. Um, I, I think it's tough. I mean, ultimately you, you have a situation now in the sports world, regardless of what industry, whether it's golf, basketball, baseball, hockey, whatever, where if there's a male and female version of the sport being played at the, at a major level um, to your point of just pure economics, like usually the economics don't add up 
but ultimately at the same time, that shouldn't be the reason that we hinder the growth of that side of the game, just like the LP. I know we've talked a ton about some of the LPGA events are, are honestly better than some of these knockout yeah, the, 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 okay, events. So, so we, so we touched on this. We're going to throw this. this I want to make a little comment. I'll throw it over to Brent to, to chime in the LPGA. We obviously have talked about, we talked about it at length in the last show about Epson's great commitment to the, uh, um, now the Epson tour, uh, Daniel Kang, we were talking about that recently when we were down at Lake Nota with Mike Armel and a little tour down there. Here's here's an all-world talent. Top, I think she's top, certainly top 10 maybe, uh, top 12, top 7. I, I remember where she's at in the rankings right now. But she plays a remarkable round of uh, four rounds of golf on Lake Nota, a good solid golf course, by the way. Brendan's wearing the hat right now. Um, and she makes $225,000 for first place. Uh, yeah. Is that fair? I mean, that that's the debate. I do think we're moving in the right direction. Well, this mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, we're going to close that this topic with saying this. And we'll touch, bring up one other thing about the LPGA. Mr. Elliott, how about a little shout out to the team, uh, the Solheim Cups captain? You know, uh, real quick, because I want to add one last thing before I get to that. Um, I, I think we are moving in the right direction from the, from the women's game. Um, and the, p- the question I want to pose to you guys, cause we're all, it's a golf show and we're all fans of the game is golf a little bit different or is it just because we, we know probably the game more. I know I do know the game of golf more, uh, than any other sport, um, do we love our female counterparts more than other sports? Like, is, is it more, is there a little bit closer to equals from the PGA tour and the LPGA tour than the NBA and the WNBA, or, you know, we can't use the soccer analogy because the women's game, obviously we said is a little bit, a little bit better than the men's game, but do you guys feel like golf's a little bit different or is it just because we live in that space that we might feel that way? Chris, do you want to field that first? No, I don't, because I got to think of a good response to add to that. Yeah, I, I got you a response real quick. I think it's I think it's different, but I think it's different for a good reason. I think I think every other sport you mentioned is a team at aspect sport. Golf is the only sport that is singly driven, where the individual can have more of an impact on a sport and create more of a buzz about a sport than, than a team can. I mean, yeah. can you name, can you name more than one team in the, in, in the NWHL, the national women's hockey league? No, probably not. Right. Like, but you can name 10 different professional women's golfers, whether you're a big fan of the, of the LPGA or not, just because of who they are. Yeah. Um, yep. I think, same thing goes for for every male versus women's like team sport. Like it's very difficult to sometimes name those sports that that we have. Like obviously, if you're more surrounded to it, you have that more of a connection and it's help driven. But I think the LPGA should be a staple for how every other women's national sports league should be run because the promotion of individual athletes helps promote the league as a whole. You know what, and Andrew, that's a great point. Andy, I'm going, to, I'm going to throw it to you in a second. But I was sitting here, I've actually had this conversation with other folks. If And I again, I, I look at things as from the economics. What are the two other sports, in my mind at least, that, that women's athletics shine far ahead of their male counterparts? Gymnastics and figure skating. Yeah. And I, and you can even you could even say tennis. Tennis are certainly on the same same level as far as exposure. But gymnastics, figure skating without question the women take the highlight They're, they as individuals are highlighted they are they are the recognized greatest in that in that sport in my humble opinion but is that because they're individuals and they and they promote the individual andy what do you think no i i was you you stole my thunder there with tennis oh, because sorry <laughs> no but 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 tennis to me i would love to see the the numbers on tennis because um, I would love to see what the purses are for the winner of, of the women's Wimbledon final versus the men's Wimbledon final. I'd love to see how much money is 
is generated in the women's game versus the men's game. Because I think without knowing that it's got to be pretty close. Yeah, I would think um, so. And, and, and I think as a, as a casual observer of tennis, I have every bit as much interest in watching um, a women's final than I do a men's final. Yeah. I think Andrew's point is clear that it's that it, because it's the individual in, in your marketing so, star individuals. Andrew's looking it up. I can tell he's Googling yeah. folks. He's working that action. Hey, while he's doing that, Stacy Lewis. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Um, so I'm I'm pretty good friends with Joe Hallett that teaches Stacy Lewis, and uh, for her to get the nod, not only is is the Solheim Cup captain for the Americans, but the youngest Solheim Cup captain ever. How how old is she? She only got to be in her early thirties, right? Uh, I would think I'll I'd Google be- that while Andrew <laughs> the Wimbledon prize money. All righty. So here you the article from 2019 was last update, updated July 14, 2019. Um, Wimbledon has since 2007 guaranteed for at least the singles tournament, an equal payout for winner and runner up. God bless um, both men wow. and women. That's awesome. Um, they earn a check of 2.9 million for winning and 1.4 for the runner-up. But it makes sense, right? I mean, because the interest is seemingly on a level. Yep. Stacy Lewis is 37. 37. And that's cool. You 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 think thanks for the for the insight and the research andrew that that was cool i mean from that from that part of the conversation we've had that's that's awesome I'm and that glad should I be could the, help at least somehow you know it <laughs> should be the standard for everybody else brendan that's why we keep the young guys on the podcast cuz they're quicker on google yeah. <laughs> it's because we can actually see the keys that we're typing dead we don't have Boom. to do one of these dude, dude i am blinder Boom. than a bat i'm not going to lie i mean i'll, I'll, I'll admit it <laughs> One of those moves. Wow. No. But no. All right, let's have a little fun here as we start to wind down the back nine. All right. News article out today. Mr. Elliott can ch- chime in and, and explain this, but then I want to throw it out to you guys as fun atmospheres in golf. And wow. Brendan, PGA latest golf resort, no par. Can you elaborate and, and tell, tell everyone about that story? So PJ National, the uh, host of the Honda, um, from the article I read, it's, you know, it's your traditional golf resort has the traditional uh, several different uh, types of layouts, 18 hole layouts, but they just opened a, a layout that's called the, I believe the match play course or the match course. There is no par. There's par like, par four like yardages par five like yardages but there is no tee boxes either so the idea is whoever wins the hole because you're not playing against par whoever wins the hole gets to pick where you tee off from on the next hole and of course there's there's ranges of yardages that you can choose from um and it got in the article it got deeper into the, the, the golf course designer and some of his his design ideas and it's got some of some of the cool design features we all like, like the punch bowl greens and just the cool stuff that you look for. Um, but the whole idea of no tees, no par, and making it purely match play versus what we're so used to in the United States, the stroke play thing, I think it's interesting. I think it's really interesting. I think short courses and pitch and putts and the the Reemergence of miniature golf and putt putt with pop stroke. I think all this stuff is what the game needs to get past the not get past tradition because, like we said last week, tradition's awesome and that's what makes this game awesome. But just to get those people that are the casual people out sitting on the sidelines to go, ah, that looks cool, but it's not for me. I think stuff like this is awesome. Can I, just because I didn't see this and I want to just understand it. So it's complete match play. 
So the only premise of how you decide who wins and loses is just you got the you got it in the hole in four and I got it in five, yep. you win. Yep, you pick it up if you're not. In, and that's the other thing the article said is we're not used to picking the ball up. <laughs> you know, we, we, we're used to holing it out. But I get okay. So can I? <laughs> I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say a weird, probably take on this. I think that's stupid. I, I don't like it, and I'll tell you why. I'm playing against you, Dad. How am I supposed to? If, if there's no par, how am I supposed to give you a, a a handicap, which is the great way that, in my opinion, we allow ourselves to have fun. Like Christian and I can go and play, and Christian is statistically maybe a shot better well i get a shot per nine or i go against that's how you do it but how how do you you don't know which hole you're only giving me a shot i'm only giving you a shot but you get my like if if i'm playing against you and i'm supposed in normal on a normal course i'm giving you four shots if i don't know what you're saying is handicap handicap still applies it's just not it's not metal play it's it's only match play correct correct and but how mm -hmm. So the holes are set up with the yardages that are typical to a par four or a par five or a par three. Um, but you're not chasing par in, in this design. It's and, and, to, and to your dad's point, it's you can still play with handicaps and everything. And and you design you set the par based on whatever parameters that you decide is the person that won the previous hole. We're going to play this par three at 200 yards, or we're going to go to your strength. Maybe you're great at wedges, and we're going to play it from 120 yards. I don't know. It's confusing to me. I don't know. I don't get it. I'll stick with the normal stuff. I figured that out at least little enough. <laughs> well, I only have two handicaps, lack of talent and inability. But, Andy, keeping with that theme, unique, unique golf – What's your favorite you've seen so far out there? None. Um, and, and, and honestly, it's like this, this particular idea, while it's cool, it's cool to golfers, right? And maybe, you know, I, I totally understand what Andrew is saying too. Um, but, but this is not going to move the needle for people, in my opinion, who, who aren't necessarily latching on to the game. This is for people who understand the nuances of par and of match play and of all that other stuff, you know, par par wasn't around in the beginning either. You know, there were, there were long holes, medium holes and short holes. Um, so, you know, that's just kind of a, a, a sidebar um, to this whole discussion to me, but um, I don't know. It just seems like, like the people who would find this interesting, are the people who are so entrenched in this game and understand how this takes away some of the, the traditional nuances of what we all deal with every day on the golf course anyway. So um, I don't know. I, I just, it's preaching to, to the wrong group of people to me. The Andes need to stick together. I, I That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, um, I can tell Christian. you that the, the only I'm thing, you, Christian, no, you let no, Christian talk. No, no, no. I'm going to add. I'm going to add. He's going to give point. you a shot, apparently. So, <laughs> such bullshit. I'm Here, not here's the shot. shot. Here's the right, shot. Take your shot. Come on. I got. I got. I got. Good, I got good points to make here. No way. You. You want me? To, so, quick story here for everyone in the and and uh, on our podcast. I played against Andrew and a friend of his at his home course with a friend of ours as my teammate. I shoot 67 on my own ball, no bogeys, and I lost by one shot, given the fact that I had to give Andrew and his friend like a zillion you shots. You gave me a shot. No, I did not. Yes, you did. You gave me one shot. What, what, do you, what revolutionary – you mentioned a couple pop stroke, different things. Where are some, what are some ones that stand out to me? I, I'm, I'm, every time I go to Pinehurst, I'm to amazed go. at – I'm amazed at the 10 acres of land that they turned into the cradle and how it's, it's sparked the game, but there's others goat Hill park, John Ashworth's golf course out there in California, Sweeten's Cove. 
Is there some other ones out there? The golfers that are she, listening the to us, they were ranch, like, the Sheep Ranch at Bandon. Yes, Dunes. Sheep Ranch. That's see, that's very similar to what what you're talking about. I think. See, is there I, some other unique things that are out there? Whether whether it's short course or whether it's just the laid back lifestyle that maybe people haven't heard of that that our listeners might want to jump on. I was the I was the golf professional at uh, nine hole course in Winter Park, Florida. That was. Uh, recently redesigned five, six years ago. It's a nine-hole walking course. They've got like three motorized carts for people that, that couldn't walk the course. Easy walk. Um, after the redesign, some of the some of the uh, green complexes are a little bit more trickier, but you can still play run-up shots and stuff. Um, just really interesting green complexes was part of the, the redesign. But it's it's on that list with all these other courses you guys name is, is some of the best short courses in the country. And what I love most about when I worked there was the diversity of people. I mean, you got 90 year olds out there keeping them young because they can walk the golf course and it's not a difficult test. But it is a difficult test because it really puts an emphasis on your short game, which I think, you know, having a good short game is ageless. You can be 90 years old and be able to get up and down from anywhere. And a lot of these 90 year olds would do that. But then you got a bunch of families out there, too, at the same time. So, you know, that's that was the cool thing about working there for the years that I worked there. Love it. Andrew, now's your chance to take your shot. All right. So my shot real quick, (laughs) easy one. Short courses, par threes. Know that we've obviously discussed this in the past. And I know it hasn't totally translated, but the concept of top golf with a putt putt, yeah. The the generation of Christian and I, the the the, the non golfer of our generation, they don't care to go out to four hour rounds. They want to go out. They want to play. They want to have a beer. They want to relax. They want to get away, but have something that's fun that they can do in an hour to two hours tops. The course that's up here that's that's Christian mentioned, it's our home course. They have an executive course next door. The executive course is genuinely more filled on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon than the other courses. And why is that? It's because it's the moms, it's the dads, it's the sons, it's the fathers golf. going out and playing golf. You want to be able to truly introduce the game and grow the game. You get away from normal courses and you add par threes, and driving ranges and fun atmospheres where music's playing and it's not the stiff backstory. It's, it's, I'm going to go have a beer. I'm going to hit some golf balls. We're going to watch, you know, Sunday at the masters as it's playing because we're hitting golf balls as it's going on. That's how you grow the game of golf. End of story. All right. 18th, 18th green. 19th Closing goal. thoughts. 30 seconds each. Christian. Well, you're going to start with the best one, aren't you, Alan? you damn right I am. No, I'm just kidding. No. Um, yeah, I, I say it every week, guys. You know, um, please continue to uh, follow us on this journey we're doing. You know, I, we've always mentioned to you guys, you know, prior to our new team members coming on, that we got some great stuff planned for you guys here in, uh, in 2022. Um, you know, please continue to follow us on all social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the above. Um, you know, we're doing this for you guys, obviously, and any way we can get better, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, that's all I got, Alan, you know, snow's melting up here. Sun's out, guns out. I'm ready to go play some golf, baby. There you go, Andy. (laughs) Um, yeah, I think golf, golf has gotten so big and so popular that it's the gift that keeps giving. Right. And when, when I mean that, I, I mean, you know, we were talking about our last, our last show that we did and there are all these topics that were relevant that time and look at all the stuff that's happened up until this particular, you know, kind of recording of this show. So, you know, there's a lot of cool stuff, a lot of controversial stuff that keeps happening. And, and uh, I think it's fun to be able to, to have this forum to, to talk about all this stuff with you guys. So Andrew, um, well, glad to be back. Sorry. Hey, nice to see you. Yeah, I know. Sorry. Um, anytime that you want to come up here and, you know, see the actual golf abilities that has been brewing over the last couple of months over the winter, you know, by all means, we'd love to have you have a new house now. So you don't have to buy a hotel room, just saying too. Um, but no, it's always, always a good time. Um, thank you guys for tuning in as always. Um, but more importantly than that, to echo Christian's point, obviously social media has been continuing to grow. We've always talked about social media. 
Phil is, needs to stay off social media. So um, <laughs> maybe join us on there, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. And bring us home there, Mr. Alley, before I offer mine. You know, th- this is fun. You know, this is our second recording. It, it, it's it's different. Andy can attest to that. It's different than what we were doing with, when we were doing a lot of the links. But I'm really excited to be with you guys. And the banter, again, is different. But this is cool. I like this. Um, my last two final thoughts. We didn't get to jump on it. I talked about Sam Ryder before the hole in one in the last my, episode. From the <laughs> I love that kid. It was cool, you know, being a part. A little I was going to say, but I, you, you, you probably taught him to hit that little spin, spin, spin left shot in the hole. At- I I couldn't have taught him if I couldn't do it myself. So, <laughs> but uh, that was cool. And you know, the the question that people have asked for couple decades is what will Phil do next? And that I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> all right. Well, since I was going to, I was going to give you props. I was going to say it's all because of Sorry your tutelage. <laughs> it's all because of your tutelage. Sam Ryder hit that little shot and beer cans started flying, which is a whole nother topic. We didn't even get to this week. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to say that, uh, you know, good luck to everybody on the West Coast or the on the Florida swing down at the Honda starting there next week. I'm sure we got some interesting things. I've, I've got a few things on the show notes. I didn't even get to Christian. I'm going to also conclude this folks. We are recording this on February 22nd of 2022, all twos, but it's also an important day. And it's ironic. We're talking about team USA and USA athletics. 42nd anniversary of the Miracle on Ice. And for a kid that grew up in, in near the Adirondacks and skated on that pond and coached in that locker room, thank you, Jimmy Craig, Herb Brooks, Mike Ruzioni, and all of you. So, Christian, hit it long and straight because... It beats Andrew hitting it short and crooked. <laughs> wow. You only have one opportunity to sell your golf property. Shouldn't you partner with an expert that offers you 30-plus years of golf industry experience combined with the reach of a global leader in real estate? Collier's International Golf Brokerage and Advisory Services understands your unique business needs. Whether it is brokerage, management, and consulting, be reassured that the market leader in the business of golf is providing you the real answers and practical solutions you deserve. Contact Golf Talk Live co-host and Collier's Golf Advisory Services member, Alan DePew, today at 717-554-8519. That's 717-554-8519.